Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ. To your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again and may God bless you as you live. Today we're going to learn about the underlying power of the love of God in the path of our redemption. Many times, you know, when, we, when people ask for forgiveness, they wonder if really God has forgiven them. And those who come to the Lord and they just say a short prayer, they wonder if that's really enough. Or sometimes they even just think it and they wonder, is this really enough? Well, you know what? This comes from the heart. Your asking for forgiveness comes from your heart. And the Bible tells us that God knows what's in our heart. The power of your forgiveness is not from the words that you speak, but it's the power of God's love for you, for this redemption. And so we're going to see through Luke chapter 15 where Jesus gives the examples of forgiveness through three stories which are parables. And we're going to learn that the underlying factor in all of these is really the love of God. In the book of Luke chapter 15, Jesus shows us through these three parables how precious precious, um, our redemption is to God. It's not just a restoring but a complete renewal of a destroyed relationship. Jesus bases his teaching on common things that we understand, things that are daily, things that we know uh, can happen to any one of us, regardless of our generation, regardless of our culture, or regardless of our spiritual standing. He uses income, sustenance, daily living, possessions, and family inheritance as the teaching guides in these scriptures. So we're going to start with Luke 15, uh, verse 1 through 7. I'll be reading the whole chapter, but you know, you will understand why I read this. And it's not a long chapter, so don't give give up uh, yet, thinking that it's going to be long. But it it will help you understand how forgiveness works, why we are forgiven. And uh, you'll see the power behind it is not about you or what you did or didn't do, but it's the power of God's love. So let's start reading uh, verse 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, 
This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go out after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than one than over the 99 righteous ones who do not need repentance. Now here we see that Jesus was with tax collectors and sinners. He was gathering, they were gathering around him. And that's the whole point, is that we are already down, we are already sinners, and we gather around the spirit of Jesus for forgiveness. Note that uh, finding the lost sheep, the shepherd puts it across his shoulders. He does not use a leash or a rope to drag it home, nor does he use his road to drive it back, you know, oh, come on back, you've been lost. But he gently lifts it up to his shoulders. And that's how God sees us when we are lost. He brings us home with a gentle love. He is not out to shame us because of our past or what we did. And this is the heart of God that we should look for in forgiveness. This is the heart of redemption and evangelism. We cannot evangelize to people when we call them names or tell them about all the things that they did. We have to love people in order to evangelize to them. The story ends with this. You you look at it, it says, In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. They should be rejoicing in the church. They should be rejoicing in the family when someone comes back to the Lord. In this story, Jesus challenges us to see our need to be emotionally involved and um, with the people that we are trying to evangelize. We should gently claim them back. In this incident, sheep was a source of income, food, wool for clothing, and so it was an object um, that wasn't a pet. It wasn't a pet like we would have it today. Losing one not only meant loss in those areas, but also an indication of possible bad stewardship on our part, especially if no attempt is made to, uh, to, re- to reclaim it. Naturally, uh, we are emotionally attached to our income for the value it adds to our lives. So we do all we can to build it and maintain it. And we add value to the uh, human family in the same way. Here, the good shepherd uh, did all he could to find the sheep and lovingly bring it home, straddled across his shoulders. And that's how God wins us back. He finds us in the gutters. He puts, up, uh, he puts us across his shoulders and brings us home. Let's be clear, though. This parable is about our existence and redemption. It's not about God's existence. You know, God does not need us for his existence. You know, God is self-existent, as we know, and we can neither add value to him or take away from him. So this is really for us. It adds um, value to our lives. God is the I am, even as he told Moses. He does not need us to exist. So this parable is about our existence, not God's. This parable is about our value, not God's value. We can't add God's value. We can't even understand God's value. It's too big for us. You know, he's the creator. He's the uncreated creator. So there's no way we can add value to him uh, when we get found. But it adds joy to him 
That's what God is. That's the love of God. It adds joy to him when um, we are reclaimed back to the kingdom. When there is redemption of just that single one. Every soul is important to God. And he cares about each and every one of the lost people out there. We as Christians, we have to be loving. And the only way we can affect people to come to the kingdom or to come back to the kingdom is to love them. The power of love is expressed in this. That's why we have to put our emotion of love in reclaiming people who are lost. In this case, the shepherd showed his love by straddling his sheep across his shoulders and bringing it home. Every time we bring someone home, there is rejoicing in heaven. And the underlying power is love. Now, the other, um, the other parable is that of the lost coin. You know, this is a gem. To this woman, this was uh, a gem. This was something that was valuable. This was something that had a lot of value. It was gold, silver, or whatever it was. But it was a gem, all in all. And we are a gem to God. And this is a very short parable. Uh, it's just two verses, basically. And Jesus says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until he finds it? And when, he, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and, the, and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner repents. See, here is another thing. There is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. Now, how does this relate to the coin? The coin is a gem to this person. And this, when this woman loses it, she loses certain value about her valuables. This is about, these are like amenities of life. So sometimes, you know, when we lose something, we do everything to get it. When we have someone lost in the, uh, from the kingdom of God, it's like we are losing part of our well-being as a body of Christ. We have to do something to get them back. And so when we pray and intercede for them to come back, we know that it's not about us or our intercession or power of our prayer, but it's the power of God's love that brings people. And so when we are evangelizing people, when we are these lost coins, these gems to God, remember this, uh, the Bible says that um, God never gives pearls to pigs. Well, these are, these are pearls to him. And anyone who goes to evangelize with attitude, thinking that they are better than those people they are evangelizing to, those are pigs. God says he never gives pearls, never give pearls to pigs. Don't be a piggy Christian when you go to evangelize people thinking you're better than them. Oh, we are going on this mission trip. We are going to do this. No, 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 no. It's about the love of God. When you go with the love of God, you don't see what those people don't have. You don't see the filth that they live in. You don't see the smell, smell the smell that they have. You, you don't look at the... Um, amenities that they don't have or they don't have McDonald's here, they don't have blah, blah, blah. Instead, you go with the love of God. And when you do that, people will come to God. And because those are gems, and God will never give you his gems if you're a piggy Christian. So here again, we see the love of God. This woman had a love for this coin. She called her friends. Listen, I found it. I found my coin. That's what happens when we do it, uh, when we evangelize in the same way with the love of God. 
and someone comes to Christ, then God rejoices. That's how you intercede. So before you go out on the streets to witness to people, pray that God gives you the heart of love that you may pray with impact and bring people into the kingdom. Whatever it is, if there is no love, you are wasting your time because God is love. You have to reflect love. This um, parable reflects love. Then finally, let's look at the parable of the prodigal son. This is the, par- uh, the parable that almost everybody knows, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. We're not necessarily going to look at it from the son getting lost or getting into sin, but we're going to look at it from the angle of love, the love of God, the love of the father getting back his son. So as we read this chapter, uh, the last part of the chapter, I want you to have that in mind that It's the love of God, the love of the Father that went out and reclaimed this young man. He had gone to the depth of the depth. But you know what? His Father's love was always there. And you will notice that when the Father sees him from afar, he goes for him. Before even the son gets home, he could have sent one of his servants to go get him. But no, he went and uh, uh, he went himself to go to meet him. And that's how God is. His spirit is out there looking for us, looking for someone in whom to show himself strong on their behalf. So when we intercede or when we go to witness to people, it's not about us or what we have that we are giving them. It's the love of God that's the driving force behind it. Okay, and so let us read um, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 26. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered wealth, his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he had come to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to, to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For his son, for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In the story of this prodigal son, we now clearly see the picture that fits most of us. You know, God has given us everything. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3, that by his divine power, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That means we lack nothing of the things that we need 
to live a productive and godly life in the natural as well as in the spiritual. We are free to tap into it, all of us, without exception. Many times we are ignorant of it or maybe untold. Sometimes we are wasteful and prodigal and, <laughs> and slothful. But you know what? Many times we are also fearful and unwilling to try into this what God has given us. But if we ask God for direction, God will show us what to do because that's his word. He has given us everything that pertains to our life and godliness. So like the prodigal son, we go far away from God. The Bible here says that he went to a far country. So what we do, we do everything that we can very far from God in that far country of Satan. And we spend and we are wasteful and we do everything. You know, he ended up working for someone as a, as a, you know, as a swine herdsman. You know, that's the hardest thing you can do in that culture. That's the lowest of the low to, um, to work with the pigs. And not only that, be feeding them. And then the Bible says that he was given nothing. Nobody gave him anything. So you see, that's what Satan does. He takes you so far away, he gives you nothing in return. And he wants you to be swine, to be like pig. You know, the Bible says that they gave him nothing. And that's what happens with the devil. He does not give you anything. However, you know, when this young man decided to go back to God, to his, I mean to his father, his father welcomed him back with open arms. That's how God is. That's God's love, the father's love. You know, he tried to downgrade himself. He said, oh, father, I'm no longer worthy to be uh, your son. His father ignored all those statements. This reminds me of um, another scripture. I think it's in Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. That's when Satan was accusing uh, Joshua and he was calling him, uh, uh, calling him out to God. But God shut the accusation down. In fact, it says, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. And that's what God says. In fact, in the Bible, Romans um, 8, it says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not want to uh, condemn you. God wants to redeem you. You know, uh, in fact, in Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, yes, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. That is love. That's what he says. That's why in First Corinthians, Second um, Corinthians, chapter five, verse seventeen, it says, "Therefore, if any may be in Christ, he is a new creature, and all things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. All things are in God now." That's what happens when we. Uh, accept our mistakes and come to God, the driving force behind our forgiveness is the love of God. That agape love, the love that does not see our sins. As we have seen here, he says, I remember your sins no more. That's how God forgives us when we have been prodigal with our lives. And when we do that, even a short prayer, even, um, uh, um, a, even a thought, if you can't speak, you could be in your bed dying, but just the thought that I am going back to my father and I ask for forgiveness and you think it. God knows thoughts because remember many times Jesus, the Bible says that, uh, and, uh, that and Jesus knew what they were thinking. God knows what you're thinking. So if you are thinking the right thing, <laughs> so if you go out there and you say, forgive me, but you're, you're thinking something different, 
You're just saying it just for the sake of saying it. Guess what? It's, it ain't going to work. But when you go to God and you say, forgive me, and your thoughts match with your words, and even if you don't have a mouth to speak, but think it. So, for example, a lot of people are under persecution, you know, in, in some countries, and they may be, uh, they are being stoned. We saw in um, um, the ISIS how it would behave those people who, um, accept, uh, who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Christians, they would behead them. And you know what? Those people in their hearts, in their thoughts, they would just be speaking to God. God knows their thoughts. Guess what? He knows yours also. When you ask Him for forgiveness, He knows to forgive you, and that is praying with impact even without speaking. I believe, and we believe at Afri Christ, that when you follow the Word of God, when you follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, of thinking the right thing. God hears your prayers because it also says in the Bible, because he hears us, he answers us. And you know what? God does not just hear us with human ears because God is not human. The Bible says that uh, could he who made ears not hear? God can hear your thoughts, knows your thoughts. So think it. You could be in a situation where you cannot speak. Think it. And guess what? Because it was initiated by the Holy Spirit, as said in Romans 8, there is impact and there is power in your prayer. And guess what? It will achieve the forgiveness and redemption that you need at the time. So we're going to pray a short prayer uh, of impact, as I call them. These are prayers of impact. So that if you're out there and you need forgiveness, just listen in and repeat this prayer after me or uh, go replay it and internalize it and then pray it. God will forgive you. You will be redeemed from your sin. You will be redeemed from your situation, whatever it is. And guess what? He will remember your sin no more. He will not look back like the father who came with and said, put a new robe on him. In fact, the same thing in Zechariah 3.1, uh, um, the, the angel said that, Put a new robe on Joshua. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you put a new robe on yourself. Just like the prodigal son, the father says, put a new robe on him. He takes away your dirty clothes of your actions and he puts a new robe. And we are clothed in Jesus Christ because it says that they that are in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. You are not condemned anymore. So let us pray. Father, in the matchless name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I am all new now that I understand the redemptive power of your grace, the love behind it. I did not deserve it, but you made me worthy. You have renewed my spirit and given me a new robe as you did for Joshua and the prodigal son. I have been prodigal in my life. I was lost, but now I'm found. Like the woman who had lost her coins, I thank you that you have provided the light through your son, Jesus Christ. I am a new person now, and all my past is gone. And according to your word, thank you, Father, that I am in Christ Jesus, your son, and now I am your child again, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.